Hello Blazers, welcome to episode 21 of UAB Green and Told, original air date, Monday, June 8th, 2020. UAB Green and Told gives us the opportunity to share stories from members of the UAB family. I'm Greg Berry, Assistant Director in the UAB Office of Alumni Affairs. On this episode, Coach Brian Shoup joins us. He spent nearly a decade and a half in the dugout for UAB's baseball team. Recently, he retired, stepping away after a tremendous 40-year coaching career. But before UAB, there were three stops. And as he'll explain, his path to our campus wasn't traditional. Grown men weeping and hugging each other. And we had just won the conference. And within a week, we don't even have a program. Um, You know, it was crazy. And as Shoup will share, his teams came up just short of doing great things as they strive to make that next step. You, you could make a case that we were one game away from, from maybe going to three regionals in four years. Plus, he'll delve into his relationship with perhaps the greatest volunteer coach of all time, the legendary Ron Polk, a man Shoup saw two very different sides of. He'd get cackling and giddy and laughing with the boys, and I'd never seen that. Brian Shoup was an athlete growing up. As a kid in Ohio, he played everything. Baseball, football, basketball, and even hockey. An avid sports fan, he also hawked programs at Ohio State football games during the Woody Hayes era. Shoup was destined to coach. It's all he ever wanted to do. But had his original plan stayed true, he never would have smelled the fresh-cut grass of ball fields across the country. No, he had different plans. I knew I always wanted to be a coach. Uh, I thought I wanted to be a high school basketball coach, Uh, but then all I played in in college was was baseball and, you know, kind of uh, went a different uh, direction at that point. So good player, certainly not a great player. You mentioned you got the coaching bug early. What spurned that? What led to that desire to Mm -hmm. want to work with other athletes? I don't know. I just loved sports, I think. And I don't know, it was just kind of, ingrained in, in our family and, and uh, I, I just I from the earliest age I wanted to, to be involved in, in athletics and so I'm sure grateful that I never had to work for a living I got to stay in sports what did you major in at Malone yeah that was that is an interesting answer um, so I did have some foresight and I wanted to get a master's degree in athletic administration and there were only two programs in the country at the time, Ohio University and the University of Massachusetts. When I graduated four, four years later, they were everywhere, but there were only two at the time. So the summer after I graduated from Whetstone High School, I scheduled an appointment at Ohio University. I went down and met with the, the chair of the program and asked what, it was a highly competitive program. And I said, I want to get into this program four years from now. What would make me uh, attractive to you and you know what would help me to get there and so he helped me design I'm the only major of its kind at Malone it was just a hodgepodge of classes I took business and economics I took physical education I took uh, a lot of speech classes psychology classes coaching classes so it really was almost probably good for nothing other than to go on and get a master's degree but that's what I wanted to do. When we graduated, programs all over the country, and the closest one was at Kent State. Uh, and so 
That's why I did my master's at Kent State. It was in athletic administration, so I stayed that course, but I just commuted up to Kent about 45 minutes north, was working in admissions uh, at Malone and uh, coaching, helping coach Starcher at, at Malone, and then I did get the master's degree in, in that field. So kind of a hodgepodge. Yeah, no kidding. So right after you got your master's, is that when you moved on from Malone and hooked up at Mississippi State with Coach Polk? Yeah, we actually knew a year before we were going to go to uh, to Mississippi State. So there were a lot of great things that happened to us at Malone College. Uh, but the two greatest for me were was I met my wife and and then I played for Bob Starcher. He he coached on an international team with Coach Polk. And so okay. there was that connection. And I mean, so many people wanted to go to Mississippi State. That was back in the era of graduate assistants. That's how everybody got into the business back then. You know, Coach Polk had spoken Columbus, Ohio, and Coach Starcher drove me down to, to Columbus. Uh, I interviewed with, with Coach Polk in, in a, at a Holiday Inn in Columbus, Ohio. And, uh, you know, he offered me an opportunity. Why, I have no idea. There were thousands more deserving candidates, but probably because he liked Coach Starcher. Uh, so we actually knew for a year that, that we were going to be going down there. But I finished my master's degree. Coach Polk, highly, highly revered as a college baseball coach. Fantastic career. What was it like studying, basically, under him on the field at Mississippi State? Yeah, I would say I had the, the blessing of studying under two of the great baseball minds ever, uh, Coach Polk being one, and then Pat McMahon was the head assistant at, uh, at Mississippi State uh, my seven years that, that I was there. And so, you know, I, I watched and observed Coach Polk and uh, the way that he went about his business and the way that he ran his program and, and the way that he interacted with players. And, and, but then Pat McMahon, you know, because a head coach is so busy with everything, right, that, it, that falls on a head coach's plate, that it was really Pat that, you know, took time to sit down and, and teach the intricacies of the game. And, and uh, oh, my word, did I, did I learn, learn baseball, you know, from Pat McMahon as well. So I was in literally a, a goldmine of, of uh, baseball expertise and it's the most incredible coaching clinic you could be in. As an assistant coach, I'm sure you had your eyes set on becoming a head coach. What did you take from those two coaches at Mississippi State that you could apply at the next stops in your career? You know, I really wasn't looking to be a head coach. Um, you know, I was only a full-time assistant for three and a half years from the Birmingham Southern a gig came open. I wasn't looking at all. Uh, this is a crazy story. I just think it's a testimony, a testament to God. Um, I've never uh, applied for a job in my life. Really? Um, I never had a resume uh, that I was prepared to give to anyone, and I never applied for a job in my life. So I was not looking uh, to be a head coach, and maybe eventually I would have. But uh, you know, we were still kind of settling in the to Starkville and, and uh, whatnot. But what did I learn? Coach Polk is the master of organization. Coach Polk is the master of detail. Uh, Coach Polk is uh, uh, the, the master of calm and uh, relationships with players. And then from Pat McMahon, 
all of the base running stuff that, that we did, Pat McMahon, all of the pitching philosophy uh, stuff that we've done, Coach McMahon. And, and so, you know, it was kind of a, a, a combination of, of uh, really, I, I became who I was in, in, those, in those seven years. You had mentioned that you never applied for anything, but yet here you are in Birmingham. How did the whole Birmingham Southern thing come about if there was no resume, there was no search? They yeah. obviously approached you. Yeah, so uh, Rob Moxley was the athletic director at the time, and Neil Birdie was the president, who I learned so much from, too. And they interviewed, uh, they called and interviewed four candidates. Uh, it was the head assistant at Alabama, the head assistant at Auburn, the head assistant at LSU, and I'm the second assistant at uh, Mississippi State. And again, on paper, I, no shot did I have at that job. I was, uh, didn't expect in any way to get the job. And again, I'm not sure why that Dr. Moxley offered, offered it to me. So it, it kind of came out of uh, nowhere. I thought, oh, the interview will be a good experience. And, and, uh, but I've got no shot at, at this job. And lo and behold, uh, obviously I did. As a rookie head coach at Southern, what were your goals? What did you want to do with that program? In youth pony league, I played on a team that never lost a game and was the Ohio State champions. Um, the three years that I was at Whetstone High School, we were number one in the state or the city champion with all kinds of guys going on in, in the playing. At Malone, that was the top NEI program in Ohio, and Coach Starcher had won for 12 consecutive district championships, and I was on the last uh, four of those. And so all I'd ever experienced was, you know, was winning. So I guess I expected that, that, that we would, would do that. But playing for Coach Starcher at Malone, while he valued highly winning, and we did win, that wasn't what he ever put forth as the primary goal. Um, it was always the development of, of men. It was always um, character. It was always faith development. And uh, I would say that had a huge impact on, on me as well. So, you know, while I, I wanted to have a culture of excellence and, and winning, I think my memory serves that my very first ever meeting with a team we're going to work our guts out to win, but we will never sacrifice success on the field for compromise off, off the field. We didn't talk a lot about winning. Uh, the year we won the national championship, that, that wasn't a, a talked about goal a lot. In fact, I would always tell our teams, if we ever win a championship, it's too small of a goal. And I believe that to this day, because, uh, you know, I have nine rings and they sit in a box. They, they really have zero impact on the quality of life. Uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago, right after retirement, you know, I had hundreds of calls. I'm still trying to catch up. I don't think one person talked about a win or a game. And they had won a lot. It was really important to me that, that it was going to be a rounded program. And we worked our guts out to win. And... 
you're one of the primary reasons uh, that led me to that this was the right time to retire is that for the last five years we haven't been winning and that that is a really important component of it but i wanted it to be a much more rounded program that was going to uh, address every element of the development of a young man winning doesn't come easy that's for sure but at birmingham southern man it, it seemed like it did we were NAI for the first 11 years that I was there. We had some of the better NAI facilities anywhere. We had admissions and financial aid that, that really valued us bringing in student athletes. It was, uh, it was necessary for the financial health of the, of the college. And they really valued us because we were bringing in great students. NAI was a wide range. The elite of the NAI was really, really good. The gap in NAI, I mean, there were a lot of programs that were not very good, that had not made much of a commitment. And so, you know, there was a lot of our schedule that we were just better than, and we were going to win. Now, to get to the elite level, that took some time. To get to a, a you know, a competitive level, we, we got there pretty quick. Uh, we got there by year two. And then we got it, you know, once we started going to the World Series, you know, that really helps recruiting. You know, success breeds success. And uh, then there was excitement about going to the Division One level. And, you know, we had success uh, there as well. So, my goodness, was it, uh, was it rolling with talent? when that program was shut down. Talk a little bit about that. Everything that kind of went into that shutting down and then the transition to be a blazer. I mean, if you can remember, you know, when our football program at UAB was dropped and the, and the deep emotions and the tears and the weeping. So I lived through that at, uh, at Birmingham Southern, you know, grown men weeping and hugging each other. And we had just won the conference and within a week, we don't even have a program. Um, you know, it was crazy. My wife and I were 100% that we would retire at Birmingham Southern. Um, we had turned down a few jobs over the years and and uh, jobs that people would think that you would take and that you would aspire to get to. But it was such a good fit. We lived on campus. Uh, I literally worked two minutes from my home. Our kids were gonna go to Birmingham Southern for free. We had plans to build a stadium with funding from Mr. Striplin. We had plans to add on to our home. We were just going to stay. And then, uh, you know, a new president comes in and like any CEO has the right to do what he think is, thinks is best. And he thought it was best uh, a transition to a Division Three athletic program. And, and uh, you know, they dropped baseball and, and basketball for a year. And, and uh, seven days after BSC dropped, Lee Moon called. You know, said we, we have an opening. We, you know, we'd like you to come. I went and met with with uh, with Lee Moon, and uh, it was just really emotional. We were I wasn't in a position to make a decision yet like that, and so I said no. And then uh, Watson Brown called. Uh, Watson was our football coach at the time, and I had a one-on-one meeting with uh, Watson. So I guess nobody but me and Watson know that this is this is you know, what happened, but, you know, he thought that 
that was going to be his last year coaching football, but you know he was anticipating becoming the director of athletics and uh, encouraged a pretty bold vision of a of a new stadium at Young in, in a very short period of time, and we decided to walk across town and and uh, join the Blazers. When you got to UAB, what was the program like? UAB, uh, you know, is a very young school, right? We're 50 years old and entering our 51st year. And the baseball program was even younger than that. You know, if you think about where all of the facilities were in athletics, uh, Bartow Arena was very good. Other than that, we were behind in everything, right? Football, way behind. Track, golf, tennis, softball was playing at, at uh, George Ward uh, Park. And, you know, it's one of the great things that Mark has done in his five years here is to improve the facilities and get us on, on a par, you know, with things. You know, we'd had some really good coaches, obviously. You know, we'd had Harry Walker, uh, started the program, you know, an incredible legend. Pete Rancott has, had been his assistant and uh, took over the head job uh, with Jim Case, uh, was an assistant who's now the head, ca- head coach at Jacksonville State, who has a stadium named after him and is a very dear friend of mine. And, and then Larry Jean Grosso, who had an incredible high school career. So, so we had a great heritage of leadership. Uh, we'd had some really good uh, players, but UAB was behind in, in some areas and it was behind in funding. It was behind in facilities. It was, you know, we happened to play in Conference USA, you know, which uh, during Gino's time and, and during the first uh, two thirds of my time, you know, believe it or not, was often the fourth, fifth, or sixth best baseball league rated in the country with schools that had made major commitments to, you know, to baseball. And so, man, every game was going to be a, you know, every game was going to be a war. You found ways to win, and you had success during your time at UAB. Talk about the high moments, 2012, 2014, two seasons that probably stand out to most UAB baseball Mm -hmm. fans. We got really close, actually. Um, I would say it was 2009 through 2015. I would say it was a seven-year run. We were over 500 six of the seven years. Um, I think we beat Alabama five years in a row in that run. And we had a lot of SEC wins. Rice had never lost a conference series ever in Conference USA in baseball until we beat them at Young Memorial uh, in 2009. We beat them two out of three. And then 2012, um, and oh my goodness, if Dylan Napoleon hadn't gotten hurt uh, that year, that was our number one pitcher uh, who beat Clemson on opening day at Clemson. We were really good. So, you know, we win the con- it's the only conference USA championship, you know, ever in baseball uh, at UAB. And then in 2014, you know, it's the year we moved to regions, uh, which really helped. We won 35 games that year. And I'll go to my grave. Uh, that, 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 that was a t- terrible injustice to, and, and, and you hate to overuse that word because there are real injustices in our society and we're, you know, we're living it right in the middle of that right now uh, from an athletic standpoint. 
just as important as a as a human standpoint. That was an injustice that that team was not rewarded with a regional uh, bid that year. And one of the teams they took over us uh, in common competition, when the teams that we had played each played, we finished four games better than they did, and we beat them two out of three on their field. We had the only we were the only had the only pitcher in America, Chase Mallard, who had 14 quality starts. People did not want to face him. Uh, he gave us a shot, no matter who we we played. You know, if we'd have gone to Florida State or wherever, you know, where they send you, Ole Miss, or we had a shot. And then in 2015, you know, we played. It was Mark Ingram's first day on the job. We played on Championship Sunday. Um, you know, so we'd beaten Southern Miss on their field on opening day. We'd beaten uh, Florida Atlantic twice uh, to get to the championship game, uh, two of the better programs in Conference USA, and we lost on Championship Sunday. So, you know, we you could make a case that we were one game away from from maybe going to three regionals in four years. What does that do to your program if that happens? Yeah. Um, that really helps. That really helps. Like at Birmingham Southern, we got, you know, we started going to the World Series and then we win it. That it, I mean, it, you, you, do, you don't go and win it. You, 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 you get there and then you get there and then you get a little further and then you get there and you win. And uh, um, so that run on the field was, uh, we, we got really, really close. Um, and I know that UAB can get there again and, uh, you know, I'm hoping with all that's within me that that'll happen this year under under Perry and Adam. As a coach at UAB, you landed perhaps the greatest volunteer assistant of all time <laughs> in Coach Polk. Kind of came full circle. You worked with him at Mississippi State. He came to work with you at UAB. What did that mean to you as a coach to have a mentor like that support you and come work with you? You know, I'll, I'll say this first. He, he didn't come work for me. He did whatever he wanted. And I'm, I'm like, yeah, coach, I still call him coach. And yes, sir. Um, so it was great for our kids. Uh, and he's very different now than when he was a head coach. Uh, when he was a head coach, it was all business. He never kidded with the players. Let's, let's say that. Here, he was like their grandfather, uh, just cutting up, arm around them, you know, always a hand on their shoulder. So it was a very different side of Coach Polk, which was a joy for me to see. He'd get cackling and giddy and laughing with the boys, and I'd never seen that in my seven years. I, I really did not have a personal conversation with Coach Polk in seven years that I was at Mississippi State. We talked recruiting, practice, or scouting reports, which is what I was in charge of at, at Mississippi State. And here he just loved the relationships with the players. It was a joy to, uh, to start and end basically uh, my career with, uh, with one of the true legends of the game and one of the truly great people uh, in our game. At what point did you decide this was gonna be it? This was gonna be the year you retire after 40 years of coaching? You kind of had a practice retirement when we got sent home on March the 13th, you know? Um, so you go from working constantly where you can't think about the future. You're, you're thinking about the next opponent and the next recruiting call. You know, so you go from, from that environment to you're bound at home 
and you're still working, but you're not working half of what you were working before. And so there's a lot of time to process at that point. So I would say it was over the quarantine, there was downtime for Brenda and I to talk and pray and think and, and uh, you know, work, work, uh, work through what was this the right time. What's next for Coach Shoup? Yeah, we honestly don't know. And, uh, you know, that wasn't, that really wasn't a factor in, in this decision. Our oldest and his wife, who's uh, he's an assistant pastor at our church, and their two children are living with us now because they're in between homes. They sold, they have to close and do some uh, renovations. So we got thrown into literally full-time grandparenting because they're <laughs> living with us. So we're, we're going to do family things immediately. Uh, one of the things we did a poor job of in our personal lives was visiting with our parents because you, you, you didn't have any time off. And so you'd go immediately from the season, literally into recruiting in camps. So as soon as the retirement community opens up, in Pensacola, where my mom and dad are, they're still on lockdown. You know, I want to go and spend time with them. How many more years do they have? I don't know. Uh, we are going to go to Ohio in June, and we haven't been in two years, which is embarrassing to say, but there you, there wasn't long enough windows in the, in the coaching calendar to do it, to see Brenda's mom and her family. We're going to spend time with, with her. Um, we are... We're hoping our daughter, who's in Germany, is allowed to fly home in July. We want to spend time with her. We want to get to Kansas City and see a, a daughter and her husband and three grandchildren. So that's what we'd like to do immediately. Uh, and then uh, after that, we'll see. So I'm sure there'll be things that the Lord will present to us. I don't plan to apply for anything because I never have. I think we'll wait and see what the Lord brings and... and uh, and go from there, and and I certainly want to be available to Coach Roth and, and Coach Rev uh, to help and assist them in the background. Uh, I want to stay in the background in any way that I can as as they move forward and lead our our program at UAB. As as I love those players and and uh, want to see them succeed in every area of their lives, including on the field. That's longtime UAB baseball coach Brian Shoup. He spent 14 years in the Blazers' dugout and is one of only a few college coaches to ever win 1,000 games all-time. In 2014, he was named Conference USA Coach of the Year and began life after baseball on June 1st. Surely Coach Shoup has an idea of what it means to be a Blazer. You know, what I thought being a Blazer was was to be able to participate and in, in, in play a role in the molding of, of young people to be true leaders when they would leave UAB. I believe, the not that they're the only important years, but the, the four years spent on our campus are very important years. They're very important years. They, they, they determine a lot of the trajectory of their lives. Their time at UAB you know, has an incredible impact on the trajectory of their lives. And, and because UAB makes such a difference in our city and our state, these young people will, will do that uh, as well. That, that's what I saw as the, as, as the 
ultimate mission of, of being a blazer. And I'm grateful to have had the opportunity to, to do this for 14 years here and I've grown to love UAB. And, and it's what I, 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 it's a joy to see these kids that leave UAB to see what the impact that they make. Be one of the first to listen to the podcast when they're released. Subscribe to UAB Green and Told on iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher, or listen in at alumni.uab.edu slash greenandtold. Know someone we should sit down with? Let us know. Email greenandtold at uab.edu. And follow us on social. We're at UAB Alumni on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thanks for listening. And until next time, go Blazers.